you guess that? You guess yeah. that? Nice one. Yeah. Nailed it. Working class man. That's what we are. <laughs> Just a working class man. Bit of Barnsey. It's beautiful. All right, guys, welcome back to the 421. We've yeah. got uh, myself, Ryan. I'm Jimmy. I'm Paul. Uh, what are we talking about today, guys? Uh, we've got Keith coming in to talk to us about work. So uh, that should be should be good. He's got a job, I'm sure. So, hasn't he? Yeah. Hey, well, so he's qualified. Paul, do one day a week joke. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, that didn't fly so well. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. They, a lot of them actually write their sermon the day before. So, so, that's so two days at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul's been reprimanded, so he's just he's take, taking it a bit easy this week. That's right. Well, um, yeah, I'm interested in work, so let's talk about what. Let's see, that's a random jobs we've had. Well, I was going to say, what was your first job? My very, very first job. Yeah, I worked at Jenny's Choice Chickens in Toongabby. Jenny's, and, um, Jenny's Choice Chickens. Jenny's Choice Chickens. Wow. Was uh, it, was I, it? I still have the hat somewhere, actually. I guess they didn't have a branding department, right? No. Nah, well, Jen, well, Jenny did. I don't know. <laughs> it's just her. But all oh. I, actually, there was the, the Jenny worked there. Yeah, but, um, I would think so. Yeah, I was just washing dishes for, I think it was about $4. You notice there's $4 no $4 chain? An hour. Notice there's no chain of Jen, Jenny's there Choice Chickens. I mean, it's not Frango's, is it? No, it's not. It's not Eljana's or anything like that, <laughs> who are a sponsor of the show. So, shout out to our lovely sponsors. <laughs> who? What, Eljana's. Eljana's, the best chicken in Sydney. Where is it? What is it? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you offend me. I'm offensive. El Janus is the best chicken you can get in Sydney. Where yeah. is 100%. it? 100%. Uh, Blacktown. Yeah, like Blacktown, Blacktown, and there's also one in um, Granville. Jimmy, is that where you took me to somewhere, some chicken shop once? Is that it? Correct. <clears throat> Unmemorable. What was your first job? Uh, I worked at Chili's Bar oh, and Grill. Yeah, yeah. And it was a terrible job, like wiping tables, cleaning up, that sort of stuff. So we're all from the yeah. era of earning like under $5 an hour, right? No, I was on six eighty. Oh, dude, you were Bitcoin. I, yeah, I, was, I started working late. I, was, I think I was 16. All oh, oh, right, okay. okay. So. But it was Bitcoin. It felt like Bitcoin. Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. What about you, Ryan? What have you been doing? Oh, my first was, I think, when I was like 14 or something, delivering pamphlets. You know that oh, junk, yeah. junk mail that Actually, everyone hates? About, that's another job I did. Yeah, I yeah. have been a paper boy before as well. Yeah. Mm. That, yeah. I think you're in about a dollar an hour. Yeah. Did you have a whistle? Or were you on a bike? Or No, no, no. I was, I was ch- the junk mail. So, you yeah. get all the leaflets, the pamphlets, yeah, yeah, you put yeah, them together, yeah. you fold them up, you spend yep. like oh, four dude, hours yeah. the night before folding them up. I've wondered then, about that job. Like, how do they know if you've delivered them or not? Uh, well, they actually usually drive around and check the mailboxes. Well, why don't they just deliver the things while they're driving around and not pay <laughs> someone else to do it? <laughs> that sounds like too much work. Yeah. It's about delegation. Okay. It's all about delegation. I appreciate that. I actually was a tennis coach for a couple of years, so that is probably pretty random. I mean, if you surprising. know me now, you might not Surprising. Have I didn't stick yeah. that one. <laughs> but, um, that does surprise me. But actually, I've got a story, yeah. I've got a story from students one of- do well? Oh. You heard of Curios? Well, uh, <laughs> Is that why you're not a tennis coach anymore? <laughs> uh, no, they didn't. No. Okay. Oh, well, I don't know. Look, Maybe. it's probably them. It's probably them. It's probably them. Yeah, they're probably yeah. unteachable. <laughs> Possibly. What, what else have you done? What well, other I was gonna, actually going to say, I, I, uh, my first full-time job was at a supermarket in, in Bilo, actually, in Castle Hill. Wow. And um, one, of those, one of the jobs I had was stacking the milk and getting the milk off the truck and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen like a pallet of milk, mm. but um, I've seen I've seen a pallet. Okay, so, seen milk. so picture a pallet <laughs> Could work with, it out. With, with those blue crates that hold milk. Mm. And Wait, so, slow down. <laughs> okay. So each each crate has probably got about eighteen liters of milk on it, right? Yeah. And I'm just thinking three by three. No, I have way more than eighteen liters. Oh, each crate would have like yeah, no, no, because no, no, it's, no, crates. So like, but like, like cr- they stack onto the pallet. Yeah, like, the yeah. blue each, milk crates. Yeah, yeah. dairy farmers. Yeah, they have, yeah, they have okay. nine eight, bottles. Yeah, nine bottles. Nine, nine two liter bottles. And there's only two. And there's only three by three. <laughs> Way more than Matt's, Matt's is not your strong suit, is no, it? I would say oh, I, don't, I don't even know. I'd just be guessing, but I, I'm thinking there's probably close to 500 liters of milk on this thing, right? Oh, when I you thought think you were saying it, there was 18 liters on the whole pallet. <laughs> <laughs> we just stack each bottle like that's what I was saying. There's way more than 18 liters. 
Okay. <laughs> Come on, get your story out. Couple. Stand to, stand to, st- on point. Well, check your facts. <laughs> so, on this pallet, there's probably maybe 500 litres of milk. And um, I can just remember one time um, pulling this pallet off the truck. And we, we had those horrible pallet jacks, the ones you've got to pump down, and yeah. it kind of lifts it up. And um, quite often, the pallets, are they go a bit sort of wonky. Um, maybe mm. one of the, the, the boards is a bit loose on it or whatever. Mm. And I have to go over this little kind of... Uh, really small step or ridge kind of thing to, to get it off the truck into the sort of cool room area that I'm trying to get it into. And I just remember this so clearly, so vividly, um, rounding the corner and just hitting that little thing. And I, I had a kind of a, a way, because you didn't want both wheels to hit at the same time. You wanted at a certain speed to so yeah. get over it without going back. I remember hitting it and then realizing, oh, no, I'm going back. <laughs> and then hitting the, hitting the cusp of the hill and then rolling back and just seeing 500 litres of milk <laughs> hit the ground. And it was like, it was the tsunami wave of milk. It was oh. unbelievable. It was, I'm talking like chin deep milk in this tiny little room. <laughs> and then you've got that moment, you know, I don't know, it was probably only five seconds, but it feels like about five minutes of just standing there looking at the ground, just thinking- it's over. What am I going to do? Yeah. I can, I can yeah, imagine, a, I can imagine a pimple-faced version of you going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, So anyway, there's a, that's something that happened to me in one of my uh, very interesting jobs. Hey, Ryan, you must have some pretty funny stories from being a nurse from so long. Yeah. So any I'll, that you can, uh, any that you, you can probably tell? I'll have to rack my brain, but off the top of my head, there's quite a few very funny ones, but not, not sort of ones that I should be throwing out on the podcast. There, there's some gruesome <laughs> ones. There's some pretty crazy ones, but yeah, I'll have to have a think about that one because I've got to put it through the filter of the, the gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, so nursing is kind of like a female predominant workplace, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, how, so do you, how do you find that, like, uh, having it, having um, your own identity at that workplace when it is kind of considered or, or viewed as more female predominant? Yeah, I mean, there's probably, I, mean, I think there's about 10% guys in, yeah. in nursing. Is that so all it is? Yeah. That's probably more than actually my job, to be honest, as a primary oh, school really? teacher. Yeah, well, if I just think about uni or the schools I've worked at, it's... um. Or like five percent or something. I'm yeah. just guessing, but yeah. I mean, that's again, that's another very female-dominated profession. So I guess this, it would be the same same sort of response. Yeah. You. How do you sort of find your identity? Um, I don't know. I think you know it's changed a lot. Society's changed, and yeah, um, there's a lot more diversity in 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 lots of roles. I mean, there was a time when there was uh, only male doctors, and that was only you know very strongly yeah. male-dominated field. And and things do change. And um, for yeah, me, it's, it's like uh, all um. All doctors were men and all nurses were women. I mean, yeah. that's the way it was perceived. That's kind of like- It's a, like all dogs are boys and cats are girls, right? <laughs> yeah. I've, well, I've, I've often thought that myself, actually. And I, when I was growing up, I, d- I truly believed that all dogs were boys and all cats were girls. Really? I 100% believe that. I mean, I'm talking like when I was like four or three oh, or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I think, I guess for me, you know, I, I, I love what I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a caring person. I like to care for people. Yep. Um, and so for me, doing my job to the best of my abilities- doesn't matter whether I'm a guy or a girl. Um, I'm doing something that I enjoy and I'm making a difference in people's lives. So, so you obviously like your job and, and think it's important and enjoy it. Mm. So do you like lead up when you meet someone and say, you know, that kind of small talk conversation when you first meet someone, are you going to sort of throw out, I'm a nurse pretty early on in the piece? Is that something that you think is kind of identifies who you are? Uh, I guess it does. I mean, I was on a TV show recently where that was my tagline, intensive care nurse. So, yeah. you know, they you sort of, you do get labelled with these sorts of things. Mm. And I think particularly in Sydney culture, there is a big thing. Where do you live? What do you do? Mm. Yeah, They're yeah, sort of the, the two big questions. So, yeah. it does identify you in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for me, if someone asks me what do I do, I'm a nurse. Yeah. What about you, Paul? What? Mm. How do you sort of identify in your... In your job, what do you do with yourself at the moment? So I work for ARV. Yep. Um, so I'm obviously if you. Oh man, we're not we're not all Paul's. down with the acronyms. Oh re- really? 
even though they're next door to our church and there's big ARV signs everywhere. The person in Iraq who's listening to this doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's right. So uh, I work for Anglican Retirement Villages. Uh, I'm over in uh, down in Norwest, and specifically, I look after the procurement side of things, fitting out new facilities, which, all that kind of stuff. Which we've discussed before is like the red from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, you know, right. You've been known to come across things from That's time right. to time. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I've never, um, I've, I've never really, maybe because I've never had a job impressive enough to use as a um, as an identity. Oh, I want to push back on that, but keep going. I, I've. Um, so maybe that's why I've never really seen, like I've never really felt like I need to introduce what I what I do. I mean, I've worked for places that are like pretty well known. Like I was just I was at Sony for quite a few years. Yeah, um, but Tashi I don't know. Yeah, um, is the reason they went bust in Australia actually? Probably part of it. I was working there, kind of been helping. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. I've, it's never really, uh, never really been something that I've that I've really led with. But I'm sure if I was doing it like a really impressive job. Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting though. I want you then, to define impressive. Well, I guess something that you would think that other people are like impressed with your skill set. Like it's something hard to achieve. So technical. Right? Like if you're a neurosurgeon, people are going to go, well, man, that's uh, you've done pretty well there. It's not exactly rocket science though, is right. it? It's absolutely <laughs> not. No, it's brain surgery. That's right. That's what they're... <laughs> <laughs> what if, okay, so if you're saying sort of a technical job or a, a difficult job, would be one that you, you would lead with, but what about? Um, well, I think it's like any- what about an athlete, or what about a a, a, a muso, or a, are they kind of jobs that you think is something you'd lead with, or do you think if if you're a full time professional muso, yeah, how and, many- said, and you met someone, would you lead with that? How professional? Like, am I just am, well, I, am I just scraping by? No, you, you're, you're, or am you're I killing li- it. You're living off your music. I mean, they don't know who you are. Am I living well? You're or back am I eating- You're back up. They don't know who you you're are. Back up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> would you? Yeah, yeah, probably. Pro- yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, well then wanna... obviously we think that's a more impressive job then. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just wondering. It's interesting that, that we'd lead with what we do if we think that it's uh, socially valuable. Well, that's why. That's the only reason that people want to find identi- identity in their job, right? Because they want people to be impressed with them, yeah. isn't it? Uh, like, yeah, that's a good point. Well, we could And talk- if you have a job that you think is not impressive, mm. or people will, will- Like, I mean, if you were had a- had a, the sort of job anyone could get pays really low. People mm. are not impressed with it. It's not going to be the first thing that you're going to offer up when you meet someone. Yeah, unless you're um, really proud of having a job. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it all depends on circumstances. But we could talk about this all night or we could introduce our guest, who is Keith Baker, who has been preaching all about Work Matters. So why don't we, um, let's why get an expert in here. Working nine to five, all right, well, let's welcome Keith Baker to the 421. Welcome, Keith. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Hey, how are you? Very good, very good. Finally, get a chance to try <laughs> Got the call in, up. In the mix. Wow. <laughs> this is the highlight of your career. That's it. All my days have been leading up to this moment. <laughs> what a disappointment every day from now on will be. That's exactly right. Oh, well. Exactly right. So, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. I am the executive minister at Ooh. St Paul's Castle Hill. No one knows what that means, and I'd like to keep it that no. way. Yeah, it's <laughs> working serious. quite well for me. At I like moment. it. Uh, I, I basically oversee pastoral ministry and uh, and help a lot of our ministers do their work. And uh, married to Beck, we've got three boys. And we've been at St Paul's for eight years or so now. So. Uh, nope. Just big cricket fan. Big cricket fan, Before yes. At least we got, uh, we got a test match back there. Uh, I know what the Ashes is now, don't I? <laughs> yeah, you do from last week. What? Yeah, I <laughs> know. That's un It's a travesty. Yeah. Go back oh. and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about we open up by finding out what was your first ever job, since we're talking about work? My first paid job yeah, paid was job. for yeah. 
Woolworths. Ah, yes. Uh, it was pushing trolleys ah. up a filthy big two-stage ramp mm. yep. at Wentworthville. Yep. Yep. Used to get like 10 in a row. When I was feeling strong, I could do 12. At the end yep. of the shift, I was doing about five. And you have to push <laughs> them up the first ramp and then steer that sucker around and push them up. Oh, yeah. And I did that for a number of years. And then I, I had enough and I quit. And a month later after I quit, I went back to that store and I saw the guy who was now doing the, the trolley job walk up and hook up this little motor oh, to the back of the store. I was about to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, well, now that that guy's oh. gone and we're not going to ever find anyone that's willing to break their back for this job again, we'll, well maybe have to you, invest you, in it. It's probably right. union affiliated yeah. or something like that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously now you're a, a, a minister. So um, what, what led you from pushing trolleys around to being a minister. How'd you end up down that path? Yeah, why would you leave that job? Yeah, yeah I know. It's hard to, hard to imagine. Oh, look, I, when I was in high school, I became convinced, you know, that if Jesus really was the Christ, that he really died and rose again, uh, I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do more mm. with my life than to spend, spend it sort of telling people about that. I just had that conviction from early on in high school and uh, then was just working out the wisdom of following that through what it would look like, how I would get to a place where I could do that. Um, so I went through a number of other jobs and training and all that sort of stuff before I landed doing this about 15 years ago. Cool. Hmm. Well, before we interviewed you, we've, we've just been chatting about jobs and roles and things that we've been doing in our life. Yep. And one thing that we were kind of chatting about and we thought maybe you could um, bring us some more expertise opinions on is uh, culturally why do you think our identity is so wrapped up in what we do it's a good question i think it's because we a number of reasons we we spend so much time at work mm. and so just for the sheer volume of effort and time and energy of our lives it makes a lot of sense to then say well that thing that i'm doing is is actually who i am yeah. um but we also have a, a view uh that that uh, has come down to us, I think, uh, from a particular sh- a strand of thinking in the past that says that there are sort of ranks of jobs. Uh, some are more noble than others. Yeah. Um, and, and so if we have one of the more noble jobs, we like to tell people that because yeah. we think that that promotes us, that gets us a better spot in society in other people's eyes. Mm. And if we have one of the less noble jobs in other people's eyes, we tend to keep it quiet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's a biblical view, actually, but yeah. uh, that. That's another story. Mm. That's interesting. And I think like, like uh, referring to noble jobs, it's probably changing what is a noble job because it's almost more wrapped up in, in um, what your paycheck looks like now rather than what the work is that you do. Um, well, that's just sort of something that I think I've seen from younger people coming through now as well. Yeah, I think that's true. Although it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, there's, I think not-for-profits have a lot more of a higher profile yep. than they used to be, you know, people mm. people going off the grid to do that kind of work. Yep. I think that's held in more high esteem mm. than it used mm. to. But do, do you think it's different between um, men and women? In terms of their identity? Yeah, yeah. like how, how wrapped up we are in our uh, what we do as our identity. Look, traditionally, uh, I think men have spent their full-time positions doing their job, and so it makes it more sense for them to identify that, whereas uh, women... It seems to me in the past have had a more varied role. Some of them mm. have been full-time workers. Some of them have been full-time mums. Yep. Some of them have been half-time workers and mums, and, and there's a whole mixture there. Mm. Um, I think it's actually harder for women oh, these days than it ever has been 
with women in the workforce, with stay-at-home mums thinking, should I be in the workforce? Should mm. I be earning? I think the housing it's, pressure in yeah, Sydney that, means yeah. that women, yeah. a lot of women have to do paid work when they might not necessarily want to. They mm. might want to spend more time with the kids or not. Uh, you know, I have some friends who um, they work a lot more than they than they want to, but they feel like if they don't, um, then they're, they're not really sort of meeting their responsibilities in terms of their family, but also, the you know, the family needs them at home. And, 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 you know, it's very difficult for some of them to find this balance of how do I provide enough for the family, but also be there for the family because, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. I mean, what do you sort of think about, um, about how, we, how we manage that? Yeah, look, it's hard to say that there's one blanket response mm-hmm. to that because it's, it's different for each family and the, the pressures are different in each family. I think one of the things that drives us spending too long at work, too, too many hours at work or bringing work home and never getting off, you know, phones or iPads and email and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is linked into what you were talking about before with finding our identity in our work. You know, if I am my job, then the way I can improve who I am is do better at my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can be a vicious cycle because h- how will you know when you've done enough to be the person that you want to be, is it the next promotion? Is it the next um, mm. uh, increase in pay? What is it? Because you look around and you think the people who are got higher pressure jobs or who are earning more money are happier, but there's lots and lots no, of stories right. of people in those kind of things actually aren't that happy. No. Mm. Um, so that I think the, the idea of finding your identity in your work uh, to some degree is okay, but fully extended is, is really, really dangerous. And I think that's where uh, Christianity, the Bible's view is it actually helps people liberate from that because what it teaches is that we, are, we're, we actually find our identity, our worth, our meaning in a relationship with God through Jesus. We, we've given um, the ultimate kind of name, the ultimate approval from the ultimate source of approval, which is God which means we're freed up from having to try and find that approval, that meaning in our work. That's not to say that, that work isn't meaningful. It, it actually, work should be meaningful. We, the, the whole picture of creation is that God creates human beings to participate in his work. So work is meant to have meaning, uh, but it's not meant to be our ultimate source of worth. And that's where we find in uh, getting into trouble when it, it becomes that, I think. Is, do you think also part of it is that we just simply want too much stuff? Because, I mean, if we're the richest, one of the richest countries in the world and we feel like we need to work more and more and more to pay the bills, surely we've just – I mean, there's got to be part of it where we just want too many things, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that's part of it. In, in the West, I think in Australia, particularly in Sydney, um, the view of what constitutes the good life, mm. the life that's worth living, I think is a life where you have maximum comfort for minimum effort. And we see that as necessity rather sure. than comfort. Yeah. And mm. so how do you get more comfort? You get more stuff that makes you comfortable. You've got less effort, more remote control, so I don't have to get up and mm. touch the thing. Mm. Um, a, a house with more automated stuff that costs more money, uh, more rooms to lounge you, more TVs. i got a TV in every room so I don't have to walk to the other room where the I, TV is. I can't is. wait till my car drives itself to work yeah, so I can like, watch a movie or something mm. on yeah. the way to work. You're definitely that's burdened that's at the moment. I, be- <laughs> I, believe that's, I believe that's called a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, I guess um, you know, making sure that we do a good job at work is important. But how do you strike a balance between uh, doing what you should be doing at work versus mm. 
working too hard or becoming a workaholic? Like, what's the balance there? Yeah. Again, it's tricky because, you know, the different types of jobs involve different types of effort. You know, if you are, if you are a surgeon uh, and you're in an 11-hour surgery, you can't go five hours, that's enough. Sorry, mate. Tag, someone come <laughs> in, you know. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, uh, and people involved with helping um, professions uh, are like that. I know a guy who, who works overnight in a house with adults with disabilities and he can't go, you know what, I, I've clocked out. Now he's kind of, he's got to be there for the 12, 13 hours. That's his shift. Otherwise yeah. he's irresponsible. Mm. So again, it, it's, it's hard to say sort of, he's the one, the one answer, the golden bullet to, to mm. knock that down. I think we, we should do the best that we can do at work. Um, I think the Bible makes that clear because the, the, the Bible's picture is when we're at work, the ultimately, we're not just serving the boss that we're, that we're there employed by. Mm. That boss is put there by God. Mm. So you get to Ephesians 6 and mm. Paul says, serve wholeheartedly mm. as though you're working for the Lord. <clears throat> and so serving your boss in the best possible way, doing the best job that you can with all of your heart, all your energy mm. and effort, effort is actually the best way of honoring God. I think then to, to then honor God in that situation is to also look at the bigger picture and say, God made us to work and rest. You know, we're, our bodies aren't designed to work all the time. Uh, the pattern of creation is, you know, days and nights so we can work and then rest and then six days and then have a, have a rest and all that kind of stuff. So once you start violating those kinds of boundaries, that's when you go, oh, hang on, what, mm. what's going on here? It's at least a flag to evaluate and say, why am I going into 16, 17 hour days and not getting a lot of sleep, that, that might be saying, is there something else going on here? Am I trying to mm. find something in work that I'm not meant to find? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just thinking, um, if the amount that we work, obviously if we work too much, it can be detrimental on our family. Um, and so I was wondering, should the type of work we choose be a reflection of the fact that we are trying to honor God and, and, and honor our family at the same time? I mean, are there some jobs that you would say are just not appropriate jobs for somebody that wants to have a good work-life balance? Like you mentioned being a surgeon, I mean, uh, and, and that might be a real, really big drain on a family. Is there, is there some, something in that to say that, well, depending on your family situation, is, are you in the right place? Uh, is there a different role for you or... That's where you are. They're the skills you've been given. You need to um, have a good work ethic, fulfill your roles and duties, and then when you're at home, you're at home. Sort of a just an interesting one. Yeah, it is an interesting one. And, and it's tricky, isn't it? Because we need surgeons. And I think um, a, a bigger view of work as contributing good, uh, uh, sort of delivering God's goodness to the rest of society actually helps us that. So we need our, you know, the people who are able to train to become surgeons, we need them to become surgeons mm. because they might have to operate on me. So yeah. I want You're someone the best guy. Yeah. who's yeah. Is going to be good. You don't now, want them at home like watching a movie. No, I don't, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want them doing something else that somebody else could do, right? Mm. I, if they can do that, that, then that's good. They, they should do that. Yeah. Um, I actually know a guy who was a, a vascular surgeon and he mm. had this dilemma. He was on call because the kind of work that he had to do. So often three o'clock in the morning, he's called and, and off he goes to, to do surgery. He had ways of of trying to do checks and balances there. He had um, two little kids, a uh, very understanding wife. And they go, that, this is mm. a lifestyle. They realize when you have yeah. that kind of job or where a policeman's the same or uh, anyone involved in the medical profession, mm. you sign up for a lifestyle that goes yeah. with that. And so as long as everybody knows that mm. and is mm. on board with that, that's not a, you know, I don't think that's a problem. You, yeah. 
he had checks and balances. He made sure he guarded days off wherever he could. Yep. You know, obviously on-call was part of it, but he would try and compensate for the on-call stuff later on. They would do holidays and things like that yep. well. So, mm. um, again, it, it, it's about the wisdom of saying, what can I do with the skills that God's given me and the opportunities that, that are before me and the things that I'm drawn to doing, the affinity, um, but not overplay that so I'm finding my identity in that. Mm. Yeah. Keith, I would assume, though, if it, um, if it came to the, the point where you had to decide, is it better to be at home more or is it better to be at work earning more money? I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. I mean, I can only speak for, for the husbands, but the Bible's pretty clear in um, telling us, you know, how much we need to sacrifice for our families. And I would think, surely, if it came to a point where you had to choose whether, well, I need to go out and earn more money for the family or I need to be present for the family, surely, you know, being around trumps it, if you had to choose, right? Uh, well, again... I mean, not to the point where people are starving, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there's, there's a number of factors in, in answering that. I would say, um, you know, work can become your idol. Mm. Um, family can become your idol. Mm. So, if people make, make a choice... Uh, to not work because they they just can't stand not being around their family or, or something. You you think of the words to, to express mm. that, but family can become an idol just like work can. So um, it, it's working out what what are my responsibilities. Parents need to provide the basics for their yeah. kids: food, clothes, shelter. Mm. Um, in Sydney, we go, oh, we've got to have shelter, right. So I need a, uh, a six-bedroom <laughs> yeah, house. Garage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't really need that. We yeah. don't need that. We need shelter. We need something over our house. We need clothes. We don't need designer labels. Mm. So for you personally, when do you know that it's time for you to plug into your family a little bit more? When do you, when, what kind of warning signs do you see that say, okay, I'm working a little bit too hard at the moment. Uh, my family needs a bit more of me. As a, as a lesson for, for those, yeah. you know, for us. Teachable or, moment. Or even when have you seen other people come to you with, you know, pastoral care situations where you've started to think you're not around Are, are there clear and obvious warning signs? Well, in my household, if I ever hear conversations from my boys saying, Mom, who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a warning sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, with, with families, you, you, can, you can read stresses uh, uh, about lack of presence. Um, you can tell... Kids can act out in, in particular ways if they haven't mm. seen you around enough. Mm. Um, sometimes there's good reasons why they haven't seen you, and that's okay. But yeah. uh, you, you try and read those signs in your family or in your, your spouse as well. Yeah. Um, uh, in my early days of ministry, uh, the first year or two, I was, I was a workaholic. I think I, I have mm. to confess to that. I, I said yes to every committee, every... Yeah, uh, running every group. That meant I was out like five nights a week mm. and working throughout the day, um, and that just puts strain on a relationship. You mm. know, if you're in a relationship with someone, you're supposed to see them every now and then and talk to them <laughs> yeah. and say how you're going and check in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you're not doing that, that's a flag for anyone. Yeah, you know, particularly if there aren't good and obvious people, uh, it can be very understanding in crisis mode. Everyone goes, okay, that's crisis mode. They're not around. They've got to deal with a crisis. So, mm. you know, if I would mm. get called out to hospital to pray with someone who's dying or to go and counsel a family who's going through immense grief or whatever, mm. um, then everyone understands that. I got caught out, yeah. you know, on one of my kids' birthdays earlier this year to a pretty dramatic pastoral situation. So I missed that and, you know, people were understanding. Mm. But yeah. if I if I regularly planned not to be around for my kids' birthdays and said, 
tough. That's part of the job, everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I don't think that'd fly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's difficult for um for members of the church as well who volunteer for stuff because that's on top of your full time job as well. And I mean, there's lots of stuff I'd love to do at the church, but you know, that would mean a lot of the, a lot of the time that would mean that then my wife's got to look after the kids and do all the uh, yeah, bed, that, bed bath and <clears> routine <throat> by herself again another night or you know and vice versa if she wants to do those sorts of things and you mm. know yeah no it's it's funny now because when i get asked uh, oh can you help us out with this or um you know can you get involved in this my my first reaction is oh that sounds great i'd love to do that and then i have to think hang on a minute yeah it's really not me serving it's my wife serving that's right because when i any any hour that i'm out of the house when she's in the house with the kids. You do it all on her own. She's the one yeah. that's really serving. I'm doing my thing and, yeah. and, and hopefully a good thing. But um, yeah, that's actually her mm. making the sacrifice. And, and so that I've had to flip around my thinking about that, particularly since having kids when, no, that's, if, for example, if I play music at church, that's not really me uh, serving my time. That's, that's my wife serving her time by taking care of, of, of my family without me for that period of time. Well, it's both, isn't it? Yeah, it it's is both. both yeah. Because uh, if you're you're up the front playing your um, ukulele or mm. your harmonica or I'm whatever, not, whatever, whatever you play. I'm whatever not that hipster. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to grow a beard though. So. <laughs> then, then you are actually, you are, you yeah. are serving. And, yeah. and, and those sorts of things, it, that just comes down to good communication. Mm. Because again, in, in the church, you know, we're kind of given gifts and skills and talents and we're called to use them for the good of the body. Um, and so it's good to have that in your time allowances conversation as a family with mm. you know, husband, wife, kids, all that kind of stuff. And um, you might not be able to do everything that you'd want to do or that you could do, but you could yeah. do something and, yeah. and maybe your spouse can do something. And you just got to work it out in the season of life that you're at. You know, you, kids are only little for a particular time and then they won't be. You sure? It feels like forever. No, no, no. Trust me. I'm <laughs> really? slightly on the other side. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm all minor at school. Stop having so. kids, Paul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to fix that. So I'm sure, like, we've talked about the workaholics and people that, that invest too much time. What about the flip side of it? Um, obviously, that's not the right thing to do because as you mentioned before when we're working we're not just serving our boss we're serving serving the lord yeah mm. and what so, if you can afford not to work should you what oh do you mean financially well, let's say financially work? you don't need to work you're cashed up should you work depends what you mean by work um vocation yeah so i think of um someone like a steve war right i just i know this because i was talking about him today and i read his biography recently mm. so He's made money from cricket. He's got a profile. He, he probably doesn't need to, to turn up to buy low and stack the milk or <laughs> what is what you said, oh, the tsunami the milk. of milk. Or <laughs> yep. Just ask you, you must have a really smooth skin after that kind of <laughs> milk, yeah. milk bar. Yeah. He's beautiful. Yeah. I, was very, I, I was very bloated by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you looked amazing. I hope you're not lactose intolerant. Really he is now. Um, so he doesn't do that kind of work anymore, but, but he runs – Charities and kind of mm. works through his charities. He helps kids with disabilities through yeah. his charities. He's involved in India so, as well. So it's isn't that he? kind of work. Mm. If you say I don't need to work, so should, can I just you know sail around on my yacht for six months and just be completely self indulgent? I think the Bible is pretty clear on that. Yes, no. Um, yeah. uh, we're called our, our sort of primary operating instructions are to love God and to love other people. And in that instance, no one else has been loved. You're just Mm -hmm. kind of loving yourself. To do good works. And so I think we are fully human if at some level we are serving other people in some kind of way. Mm. Um, And that, so I think that includes volunteer 
kind of stuff. You know, when we're talking yeah. about work, I don't think it necessarily means paid work. Mm. And all, hopefully, all the the mums with kids are, are nodding furiously and not, you <laughs> yeah. know, going about time. So <laughs> something like that. But uh, it includes volunteer kind of stuff. Really, really important. Volunteer effort actually is kind of the glue that keeps that knits our community together. Mm. So mm. people who work in the school canteens and stuff, that's really, really important. They're mm. paid for that. Yeah. So what do we need to do, I guess, for living out our faith at work? I mean, we obviously, uh, I mean, I can speak for myself, but I'm assuming it's the same for most of us. We, we come across people of different faiths, different backgrounds. Um, some people are nice. Some people aren't as nice. You know, we all have those sorts of people at work. How do, we, how do we live out our faith at work? Good question. Again, a number of different answers to that. I think we, uh, if you understand that God is a worker, and so work is good, and so all different kinds of work are, are good and noble. There's not, there's not one type that's noble and another type that's not. All work is noble. We're then freed to engage in whatever kind of work. We're free to say, I should be, if I'm going to be a plumber, I'll, do, I'll, I'll be a plumber. I'll be a mm. really good plumber. You know, if I'm going to be a nurse, I'll be a really good nurse or a teacher or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, realize that... Um, all kind of work and workplaces um, are, are full of the brokenness of this world. And so there are times when we need to stand up and be distinctive from the people around us. So if there's a conversation around the lunch table about whatever. You get to you know, gently represent um, the Christian worldview. I think that's entirely appropriate. Again, mm. it depends on the rules in your workplace and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, I think uh, one of the big distinctives for Christians in the workplace is um, to have that posture of humility. Um, we don't need to grandstand ourselves at work to show that, we're, that we are someone because mm. we are someone in Christ already. So we don't need to do that. And that allows us to be humble, allows us to hold on to power loosely. Mm. And if we have power, we use that power to serve other people really well. So if you get in a position where you have staff, you use that power to make sure your staff are the best resourced, the, mm. the best cared for, mm. particularly not so that that staff know that I'm the boss. You yeah. know? Um, I think those things are, are important distinctives. And probably the other one I'd say is to be uh, people of integrity. So mm. we're people who, uh, when we say we'll do something, we do something because that's the kind of God that we represent. Uh, he's a yeah. God who is faithful to his word. We, we should be like that as well. Mm. And again, we don't need to get involved in the politics of work because politics is just about who's the best. Mm. That's what it all boils mm. down to, who's the best. And we don't need to, in a human way, say, I'm the best, so I'm going to fight you for being the best. Yeah. We don't need to do that because yeah. we know who we are in Christ. You see, that's when, when your identity is not in your work, you're free to be a completely different person at mm. work, no matter what kind of job that you do. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. All right, Keith. Thanks so much for joining us on this uh, four two one episode. Pleasure. Uh, lucky enough to be episode number ten. Oh, so ten double digits. Double digits have not been pulled from the air. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we thought maybe two or three, we'd, and we'd be lucky. Yeah. But here we are, number yeah. ten. Thanks wow. so much, Keith. I'm happy to help carry you into double figures, guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. We could not have done it without you. No, you're doing a great job. We'll, Keep well, it maybe up, we'll see you in the teens. Maybe. maybe. I was going to say it sounds like the Australian cricket team. <laughs> double figures there. Eh? Barely, barely. <laughs> Thanks very much, Keith. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Working hard to make a living Bringing shelter
All right, well, it was great to have Keith coming in. Yeah, I was just thinking, he's got those sermons up on um, online on the St. Paul's website. Yep. Um, and there's a whole series on Work Matters. So if there was something in that um, interview that you found really interesting or wanted to hear more about, or, um, yes, hear more delved into, then that's definitely the place to go. Mm. I still want to hear, this is like a little bit of a change of pace, I still want to hear a story from Ryan about a funny nursing story. Yeah. So I know he has yeah. so many of them. Well, and earlier we asked you and you just... You just said no. I don't want to do it. No, no, no. I felt like I had to had to make sure I had the right story. Oh, yeah. good. That could make it past the gatekeeper. So I think <laughs> I've been thinking about it, and I yeah. think I've probably got one that Great. that um, that'll pass. Okay. So when I first started in nursing, there yeah. was a particularly awkward moment. That <laughs> right, try try yeah, another one. Try again. Okay. So I was working night shift. And uh, this is when I was working in one of the surgical wards. And uh, what happened? Was- okay, now this is pretty hard. Um, let me think. Let me think. All right. Okay. Cool. Um, so what? I had a friend who worked in um, in England, and her very. It was, uh, um, okay. Okay. Um, let me let me think about it. Um, or, or, okay. 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 How about this? Um, so. Uh, one of my friends uh, was working at another hospital, which I can't tell uh, the name of the hospital. Yeah. Uh, he had been working there for a couple of years when he realised nursing is a is a kind of job where uh, you see a lot and you, <laughs> you see some horrible things. Yeah. You see yeah. some disgusting things. Uh, but it's just nothing good, right? Well, well good. they all end up being pretty funny in the end. Yeah. Um, With the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, I guess so. As long as it doesn't happen to you is yeah. what it comes yeah. down to. So uh, one of my colleagues- uh, had to was caring for a patient who was um, full spinal precaution. So we had to lie him completely flat. Mm. Means it's really difficult to do anything mm. to try and uh, you know turn him. All that sort of thing requires a large amount of people to make sure his spine's in one hundred percent alignment. Anyway, this is not funny so far. It's not. It's really tragic. Yeah, it's really I, I sad. Just, I just feel sad. Yeah, he's doing I hate fine this now. Story. He's doing. Oh, fine. fantastic. Yeah. So basically, uh, they had to change the bed over. Mm. Uh, which is not an easy procedure when you've got someone who's on spinal precautions, yeah. which means you have to physically lift them up mm. in uh, what we call a frame. Like it's a, yep. it's a sort of a massive big... Um, uh, frame. Lifters? It, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's basically a lifter yeah. which yeah, keeps them crane. flat. crane, person crane. So lift the patient up, uh, get the bed out, and my colleague uh, thought, okay, the easiest way for me to do this is for me to duck my head underneath the bed to push that bed out of the way. Mm. And when she ducked down to push that bed out of the way, uh, the patient, unconscious at the time, obviously in in intensive care, Mm. uh, happened to um, drop a nugget. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this particular nugget landed onto her head. Oh, it's just a, uh, it's, the termi- it's the terminology. Nugget. Is that what they use? That, that's terminology, yeah, that's, right? That's, 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 a te- that's a medical term. Yeah, it's a medical yeah. term. So she ra- she ran out of that room screaming. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, which I think is the only appropriate response. I thought response. you guys got pooing yourself like yeah. every other day. So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I guess uh, that's work for me. As long as it happens to someone else, like I said, it's pretty funny. A fr- <laughs> Oh man! So, uh, what do you do for a job? I guess is the is the next question. Yeah. From that, yeah. Um, but uh, thanks for joining us on the four two one. We'll leave it. We'll there. leave, we'll leave it right there. We'll just leave it hanging. Thanks. Thanks for listening to episode ten. I mean, and, and apologies uh, that we put you through this episode. Yeah. Which was great. I feel until the last five percent. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. In the Navy, yes, you can sail the seven seas.